0: a
1: show i do a lot of reposting on instagram and just as i kind of scroll around and i see videos techniques memes that i like i repost so this individual I started reposting, but he started sending me stuff to repost, making my job a little bit easier so I didn't have to go hunting down through the algorithm and whatnot. So on this episode of All the Mass, we're going to welcome Mr. Mo Brown. How you doing, Mo?
0: I'm doing good, man. How are you? I, I'm all right.
1: I'd be a lot better if I knew my internet was working 100%, but yeah, we'll get through this. So uh, you're out there in, uh, you said, Oklahoma City?
0: Yeah, I live in the OKC metro area, but I train in uh, Edmond, Edmond, Oklahoma.
1: Okay, all right. So, what's the like jujitsu scene like out there,
0: man? It's you know, I guess I've traveled around to a few different states. It's at my academy, I would say it's um, definitely different. You know, you can get a little bit of everything, but that's how the whole—at least in the metro. And in Tulsa, which is another uh, heavy grappling city in Oklahoma, you know, the culture's mixed. You know, you have your gladiator gyms, but then you also have your real structured, we're doing self defense, you know, gyms. And then you also have your in between or a little bit of both, you know?
1: And for you with grappling, what got you into martial arts in general?
0: Man, honestly, as a child, so my dad was a boxer. I don't know if you would consider boxing a martial art or just a strictly a sport, but you know they yeah, call it the sweet thought. science, so we'll just go with that. Um, my dad was a boxer, and so I was always around boxing. And then I'm gonna say maybe early 2000s, like whenever the UFC started to get really popular. I was introduced to that, but I didn't, you know, grappling at least, some form of it. But I didn't even really get into it, the grappling aspect, until um, after high school. And then, realistically, after college. And then, once I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I don't know, it kind of came kind of clear that, to me, that was one of the better martial arts compared to the rest of it. But currently, that's all I train. Yeah, it's just Brazilian jiu-jitsu, man. That's it.
1: All right, cool. Cool, I can dig it. With your dad being a boxer and, you know, you being introduced to MMA through UFC and then just, I mean, in general with grappling, you know, has your dad ever had any, like, kind of, you know, like, comments? I know, like, a lot of old school cats.
0: Oh, yeah, for know, a box- sure.
1: Boxing what we grew up on. For sure.
0: Like, maybe even in the beginning, that's probably what swayed me away from it the most was, you know, just the opinion of not just him, but everybody that was around at the time. Everyone was, like, just straight boxing, so everyone was like, man, that stuff, you know, saying it was gay and stuff, the normal things you'd probably even hear a little today. Even from some of the MMA community, they don't like that, you know, when it goes to the ground, they don't like it. They're like, ah, just stand them up. So, things of that nature, definitely. And did, yeah, like I said, it persuaded my opinion as well, you know, especially hearing your dad say, oh, no. Nah. So that's, you know, I guess it kind of rubbed off. And I was like, yeah, definitely not cool. We're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not going to hold each other down. We're going to box. We're going to throw hands.
1: Well, that's always kind of been the old school mentality is like, you know, if you get into a fight in school, you got to stand up and box. I remember there's, um, what was the old made for TV? jackson's Amer- the uh, american dream the jacksons and i think it was probably jermaine one one of the jacksons it wasn't michael for sure but no. you know i remember one of the brothers got into, into some shit and then ended up you know the dad joe was like no, gotta, you know y'all gotta handle this like man put him out in the, in the middle of the street and just had him standing up like boxing i remember being a kid watching it, like yo like i mean why don't somebody just take the other one down? Like Why Why would you stand up throwing hands like that? Like boxing, I always joke about boxing. It's like, yeah, if you want to get some quick CTE, go ahead and do it. But that's the thing, though. Like, you know, I would never doubt about, you know, it's like, I always say the smarter fighter always wins. So even if you're a boxer and you don't like to grapple, if you can block a takedown, you, you know, you're still a smarter fighter than the guy trying to force you to the ground. Right. Eh, you probably win. But don't let us get a hold of you.
0: Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth, man? You know, it's funny that you bring that up with like CTE because you know before I started grappling because I was just like searching because before even before grappling I was like doing Spartan races because what got me started on this whole journey was I had a daughter and I was just like you know I'm not I can't set any. What's the word I'm looking for here? Any precedents, like, anything I expect out of her if I'm not doing something myself. So then at first I started doing Spartan races, and those were fun, but, you know, like, it's just like it's like long-distance running, basically, with obstacles involved. So it wasn't as fun, especially once I started doing jiu-jitsu. So it doesn't even compare as far as being fun, you know? And so I was – on the the cusp of either going in to try MMA, which I still would have probably learned some jujitsu along the way, or just strictly sticking to jujitsu. And then that was like one of the real make or break details was like, man, I really don't want any like head trauma, you know? I want to just be able to mm-hmm. have a clear mind when I'm older and clear thoughts, a clear head.
1: Yeah, that's one of those things when you even think about ideal of fighting just like your regular like schoolyard fights even you know the one kid gets the headlock on someone you know and that's always been kind of the thing i've always you know just thought like so, even when like i would get into a fight in school as a kid you know i'm trying to like rush the kid i'm not trying to stand it and i think that was just early on sign of me knowing i don't have hands so right i like, i wasn't trying to get knocked out of front of anybody in school Uh right
0: exactly strike first let me get close the distance at least
1: yeah at least i mean even hoist gracie in ufc one you know his first fight he threw like a fake kick and it wasn't even like a good kick it was just like a i don't even know what it was but it was just to make the guy kind of reach down and he rushed in and and, you know i think i'm pretty sure he fought uh did he fight shamrock first i think I, i can't remember but You know, he goes for this, like, big jump kick. Like, it was weird. And then, But he got what he wanted. You know, he got in close, grappled him down, and then choked him. But, I don't know. People, I mean, there are people still to this day that kind of live by that idol, like, you know, like, just stand up and bang, bro.
0: Right. So, whenever I was in high school, that is kind of what got me into just at least even trying MMA or getting interested in it was, you know, the movie never back down came out and I had moved out of my hometown for like a year and I came back. And when I came back, there was like a group of kids that had started like doing what never back down does, like inviting people over on Friday nights and like a bunch of people were just fighting with gloves. And so I was like interested in that. I was like, heck yeah, you know, I'll get out there and box. And they were like, well, it's MMA. And I was like, well, that's fine. Like, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, I'm just not going to let them take me down. Like, I'll just outbox I'll him and stick, keep it on the feet. So, like, the first fight that I had, it was against some rest, some kid that wrestled. And he was, like, really good. And I remember remember him before I would left, like, before I would moved away for a year or two. And he w- we were, like, the same size. And I was, you know, I was super skinny. He was super skinny. So, I didn't think anything of it. And then I remember I hadn't seen him. And they had already, like, mat- uh, match-made the fight you know everyone's like yeah Mo's back in town you can fight so-and-so and And I was like all right cool you know in my mind I'm thinking he's still the same kid from like freshman year but he definitely was not he'd been wrestling for a whole two years and he just sculpted him out and I still wasn't even really worried because I was like okay cool you know I'll just keep it on the feet and dude yeah it's hard whenever they're really good at you know taking you down and then I had no idea what to do. As soon as he got me down and got to the mount, dude, it was just like shell shocked. You know, at that time I had no grappling experience whatsoever. I didn't even know that, you know, in the UFC or MMA, I didn't even know there was like a a martial art that was designed for just you know the ground, like jujitsu. I had no idea it was even a thing.
1: Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing about like fights like like just kind of even that idea i think i think most boys grew up with that idea it's like as soon as we find a set of boxing gloves or something it's like oh yo like let's get together Remember my buddy he had a he had only one pair of boxing gloves so we would flip coins and see who would get the right right hand glove because we were all right-handed and then we would all sit around like dummies and box with one glove on i think eventually (laughs) we ended up getting a second pair but by that point, you know, the, the desire was gone. Nobody really cared. Um, really? And and you know, again, it was just strictly boxing, so it wasn't like MMA gloves or you know, there's no kicking, no grappling whatsoever. But I think that's something most males encounter at some point in their are growing up here is some sort of backyard fight league, not not to the extent of like Kimbo Slice and and um, uh, Masada and whatnot. But still, with, uh, you know, with the ideal, though, of, you know, that type of fight and like backyard brawl and what have you, it it does introduce the ideal of like, hey, you know, there might be a guy out there that can probably take me to the ground and do whatever he wants to do. And I'm not okay with that.
0: Right. And that's what's funny, because immediately after that, I was like. I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I go, either I Googled or I asked one of my friends who was into MMA. I was like, man, how can you beat a wrestler? And he was like, you got to know Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I was like, what is Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Then he was like, have you ever heard of Anderson Silva? And I was like, no. And then, you know, that's whenever I – and then once I saw Anderson Silva fight, I think it was when he fought like Travis Luter and he like had him mm. held in the triangle and then like – made him tap from strikes but he had him held in the triangle and was like elbowing him in the head and yeah. then my friend was like dude you see that that's jujitsu. how he's holding him like that and i'm like what I'm like man i gotta freaking learn this <clears throat> so in the beginning though literally it was just me and one of my good buddies and we were just like watch ufc fights and anytime we would see jiu we would like you know rewind and Doing it the most difficult way. I, I guess at the time, we didn't think to just Google it.
1: Oh, I mean, I, I think the idea for Googling jiu-jitsu really, really, like, picked up, like, probably later 2000s. But, yeah, I mean, early on, you did what you just understood at the moment, at least. Like, oh, all right, well, let's look at this video. So, like, for me, yeah, I had a whole bunch of UFC DVDs just... And, and got obsessed with just watching those. He's like, all right, like let me go over to the mall, you know, find one that's cheap. I'm like, oh, I recognize that fight. That's Chuck Liddell. I'll buy right. this. Team, yeah. Um, but I mean, and that's not a bad intro though to to jujitsu, you know, seeing Anderson Silva. Though most of the, you know most of his fights were standing up strike and, and it's you know that that Travis Lutter fight was the one where it's like he he actually got pushed. And they're like, all right, I need. I need to do something else with this dude. You got him in that triangle. Right. I think Luder gassed himself out, though, too, trying to rush Anderson. But, it, you know, people always forget that that dude's a
0: black belt. Exactly. Um, at least from, like, when I started. Because I've only I've only been training for five years, strictly jujitsu at the academy that I go to in Edmond, uh, Redline. And, like, when I first got there – it really wasn't you know 5 years ago i could even say it wasn't really even as mainstream as it is now as far as like so many tournament organizations popping up so many tournaments going on all the time how much of a spotlight is on adcc now which i feel like been more than ever you know and then the at the same time all that's going on you got athletes with the opportunity to get paid more now, like one championship having their like contracts for pro grapplers. And I feel like you same thing soon with ADCC. Like they're going to brand that for sure. I feel like I'm not a thousand percent sure, but it just seems like that's the direction it's heading.
1: Yeah. um, ADCC, isn't that going to fight past now?
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's like, it's almost like they're testing the waters. I feel like, like if this does good, we'll run with this.
1: Which I'm excited about. You know, this isn't a the slide at Flow Grappling or anything, but like with Flow Grappling, I think uh, the subscriptions are you know you yearly based. So, right. And I can't remember how much it is, but it, it's it, it's a lot. And I'm like, well, look, I love watching grappling. I'm a fan, but you know, I have I have spells where like you know I'll sit. Like with UFC Fight Pass, you know, it's ten a month. I'll sit down, watch it. And then, you know, I might be like, you know, I'm gonna take a little break. You know, and now that they've added jujitsu, I'm I'm on it more now. But it's like, you know, you have those those moments where it's like, all right, I wanna take a pause and I'll come back. You know, whereas like with flow graphs, like, all right, pay this hundred fifty and you're committed. And if you skip a month or two, we still get in ours, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, you're a business, but it's like when you see all the turn all the big tournaments popping up there and it's like damn dude I want to see them and and you just don't have that option I mean there's YouTube you can catch it later but right like I'm I'm a kid that needs to see it live I you know I want to be part of the action with everybody watching and talking about it
0: I'm right there with you man and I feel the same way um and I love flow grappling my thing is though it's like you're saying you know I wish they did have the availability to pause or you know just not to have to pay the whole thing a whole year you know all of it up front the whole year subscription because then it's like there is certain times where it's really dry you know where it's like man it's yeah. not a lot going on right now i could be using this for something else or even just more going on in, in other organizations
1: mm-hmm. well, and, and that's one of the things with flow is like you get rustling and, and that's cool I, I, you know i like me some wrestling, but again you know, you, you have those moments they like say where it gets drying, You're just like, all right, well, you know, what else? You know, what else can I check out? You know, like I know over in um, California, my good friend Fredo, he's he started up during the uh, COVID years, as as we call them now. Um, he started up Arte Suave Elite, and he's been doing like a monthly uh, grappling show. Um, you know, along you know, the coast of California, it's like, that's cool. So, you know, there's another option there. You know, so it's like, okay, like I said, uh, Grappling has kind of taken this form where we're starting to see more of it mainstream and more organizations are popping up. And, you know, you just get this this feeling of like, well, not everything, you know, Flow can't have a monopoly on everything. So seeing ABCC go to see Fight Pass, you know, they're, they're another one that's kind of monopolizing things, but still, like, I want to be able to look at grappling other places than just, you know, on an app app, pay 150 uh, a year for. Right, exactly. When you take Jiu into account now and just, you know, the, the events that you watch and, and you know, kind of learn from, you know, is, is this a thing for you where, you know, like you'll watch a fight to win or, you know, ABCC and then, you know, Kind of start like studying those those types of films, um, and techniques from the events. Or are you more of like a all right, you know, this is what I'm learning in my gym right now. I want to like kind of go with this and then add, you know, add to what I'm learning in the gym from strictly in my gym.
0: Man, I'm like a I would say a mix, a mix of all of that really, you know. But I try to formulate it into my what fits me, I guess you would say. You know, because I still practice what we're doing at the gym, but I guess you would call it game plans. I have like separate game plans. Like, okay, I never go into any training session without, like, I guess you could just call it a game plan of like what I'm going to work on that session. Sometimes it could be the whole week where it's like, all right, this week I'm strictly focusing on this. And then that may be something that I've learned from my gym. Right. And then the next week it's going to be like, well, I've been working on this and this is something that I've picked up, uh, whether it be from watching the higher levels at ADCC or you know, the main events at Fight to Wins or One Championship grappling, or just like, you know, I freaking scrolling through Instagram and see a cool move and it's like, Man, you know, that kind of looks like it's a little bit of this position and that position. I think I could do that, you know, and then I'll be I'll drill that all week and then try to hit it live at the Academy. So I'm really, you know, it's really to me, it's just based on what fits me, like, because that's why I like jujitsu so much, too, because it's kind of like developing a video game character, except you don't have the luxury of, I mean, but you still could change your attributes in real life, like if you need to lose some weight or want to get a little stronger, you know, go to the gym, work out. But as far as like body types, you know, not every move is going to work the same for me as it does for the next guy because I'm a little taller or he's a little shorter or I'm a little skinnier and more flexible and he is not that. So different moves work with different people in different ways, I feel like. And so it kind of – at a certain level, it leaves it up to you to be like, well, what's your jujitsu going to be like then? And then you just got to, you know, work on figuring that out, I guess.
1: No, I, I couldn't agree more. I. I'm always a firm believer in you know your jiu-jitsu has to work for you you know if you're not a a tall lanky individual then maybe you know triangle isn't necessarily your your go to move per se whereas you know I, I had a teammate who he was just that had long limbs and. He would always tell me, like, no, no, it, you have to do it this way, you know. That like you're having a problem because you are like you're not doing it this way. It's like, no, I'm having a problem because I got short, stubby legs, dude. Like, right? Like exactly. I'm not, I can't do that. Um, now there, there were things that it definitely helped, you know, because I will admit, you know, there's there's a touch of laziness in, in in my technique when when he's showing it. I didn't think it was laziness as much as it's. I, I just wasn't aware. I was like, oh. I have to really shoot my hips up, you know, and that, that definitely helped. But for him, it was just like, he didn't have to do that. It, you know, he just had those long legs and just wouldn't go. Or if he's going for a Dars, like, it was a no-brainer for him. That was that was the go-to. Whereas me, I got these little T-Rex arms. Like, anytime we have to work on Dars, I just and like, dude, uh, all right, I'm going to try. But you know. anyway. <laughs>
0: Hey, and
1: sometimes this, that's like, all you can do, though. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, my coach, you know, he, he points out. I was like, look, not every move is going to be for, for you, but still learn it, you know. At least now that I've learned it, I have an idea of how to defend it. I, I have an idea of what they're going for. So it's like, okay, maybe I can get out of this before he gets there. Whereas, you know, you're going for something I've never seen before. And it's like, wait a minute. Like what is this worm guard stuff he's he's doing? Okay. Uh, you have a a preferred guard that you work with?
0: Man, I, de- I guess yeah, it really depends on if I'm in the gi or not. You know, if I'm in the gi, here, uh, yeah, I like the uh, reverse or De La Hiva guard in the gi. Honestly, I can I'd like to do a lot of uh, back takes, sweeps, you know, triangle entries if they're lacking. In Nogi, I can't lie, I'm really a leg-locky guy in Nogi. I prefer to, you know, be open guard. I still have a pretty good takedown game, though. So, I, you know, I, if I'm pulling guard, it's just because I don't like to stay on my feet forever. Like, I get it. Stand-up is a part of grappling for sure. But I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which most of it's on the ground. So if I haven't made my takedown within, like, the first two minutes, I'll pull guard. Just out of wanting it to get to the ground. No, that's
1: that's definitely. You know, I agree with that. I used to be a like the kind of mindset of like, okay, I got to shoot for this takedown, got to shoot for this takedown, and I'll I still post memes about guard pullers just to kind of, you know, keep keep the variety available. But oh
0: yeah, no, I mean, I you mean, know, I feel no type of ways, man. You know, I'm a smaller guy too, so a lot of the times it's like, you know. If I'm getting a takedown, that means I had to up the level on, you know, some bigger guy. And that's another thing. I don't like to, you know, I know it's not a soft sport or a soft martial art, but at the same time, I'm not an a-hole. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to, like, take anybody out at an open mat or during practice. So I don't try too hard at the takedowns. You know what I mean? Especially being a smaller guy.
1: No, for Sure.
0: But yeah, no harm or foul, and freaking you know, share 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 away on the on the guard pulling memes, man. Oh,
1: well, and the funny thing is, I've kind of toned down on it because now when we're when we're training, I've been pulling guard a lot more lately.
0: <laughs> just no, it because happens, it's like, though. I mean,
1: yeah. Well, it's the fastest way to get there. You know, it's like, all right, well, look. But then the problem is, is like, look, if you're gonna pull guard, you better have a good guard game,
0: right? And yeah, like, uh, follow up, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like I'm working in steps of like, okay, pull guard. Oh snap! Now I got to figure out what to do now that they're in my guard. You know, sweep. You know, submit something. You know, instead of just pull guard. Like, okay, now we're here. Your turn. Right, Uh, right. So, for you, are are you an active competitor or, uh, like, what's your, you know, your your uh I guess prefer uh, training style now you train in to compete, train and you know, just be a better martial artist in general or you know where do you go if you're a jiu Jitsu?
0: Man, I would say really all the above like I train to compete, I train to be a better martial artist. My daughter also trained Jiu Jitsu as well so as time moves on i'm I try to focus more on her. I'm not trying to force her into anything, though, and, like, you know, be a world champion or nothing like that. But I just want her to definitely be able to handle herself. And then if she wants to take that avenue, I want to have um, her game set in place already to where it's like, okay, you know, now we don't have to turn you into a competitor. You're already ready for that if you want it, you know. And as far as myself and competing, I competed a lot at Blue Belt. And at white belt, and I've only been a purple belt for since October of 2022, but I haven't competed at it yet. And if something falls into my lap, because there's a, what, what is it? The East Coast Trials in October in New Jersey. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I definitely plan on doing that. I haven't done any um, any high level tournaments like that. I wouldn't say. Except for maybe one, and I, you know, I wouldn't call it super high level. No offense to the organization, AGF, American Grappling Federation. They're not, you know, not that they don't have high level competitors, but I wouldn't even compare them close to the competitors that are going to trials and um, at ADCC championships. No, I, I get you. I mean, there are levels to grappling, I and mean, for sure, without a doubt.
1: So I saw a post um, a while back. Uh, I can't remember who who put it up, but they're basically talking about you know anyone who competes. You know, if you call yourself a world champion and you're not doing you know the ADCC you know tournament and winning there, then like you're not a real world champion. You know, and he's kind of you know thumbing his nose at people who you know do you know, IBJ Masters Worlds and stuff like that. And it's like, I mean, you know, that's that's high level in itself. You know, and you know, again, if you're doing like your local tournaments, whether it be, you know, a new brood or or um you know a good fight or anything, that's not saying those those are like, you know, small potatoes. I mean competition all the same is tough, no matter you know what you're doing. Very but, true. you know, there are those levels where it's like, you know, you got NAGA, you got uh, uh, grappling industries, you got IBJJF, you got, uh, you know, then you got your, your you know, your uh, singles fights where you go to fight to win, you know, things like that. And then there's CC, you know, you have all types of different variations and there are different levels of all of those things because, you know, if, if you're doing, you know. The AC uh, ABCC trials. I mean, you're out there with the best of the best of the best. Oh yeah, at that point, you know. So, you know, kudos to you.
0: Thanks, man. And that's like the mindset behind it, though. Like, and that's what just anything I've ever done. I, if I'm gonna do it, I want to at least do it at the highest level and try. So when it's all said and done. I can't look back and be like, man, I could have done this, or I could have, or I should have, or I would have. It's just, no, nah, I, I did, I tried, I got in there a few times, you know. And beyond that, though, I, re- I we'll see. You know, that's what I'll say. We'll see. But I'm just gonna bring a whole nother level. That's all I do now.
1: <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I mean, that that's the important things that. You recognize that, you see that in yourself, you see that as part of your game. It's like I mean, if, if you're not grappling to improve, to get better, then it's like then what are you doing? You know, why are you there?
0: Right. Exactly. That's almost like um, with anything though, I feel like, you know, if you're not doing it to make you better, like what you know, why how is it how is it gonna help you? How is it going to help you grow? How is it going to help you proceed in life?
1: True. You know, like you say, you're doing, uh, you know, well, like, as you're saying, like, grappling is far, far more fun than running. I, I think anyone that says running is fun is part sociopath, I think. <laughs> um, they, like, even if there's an obstacle course, they, you know, it's still not fucking fun. There's no fun in running. Is yeah, like man. running was that thing that that our, our football coaches made us do when
0: we messed up. Yeah, it's a punishment. It's a punishment. It's a punishment.
1: Hey, I think anyone that wakes up in the morning says to themselves at five thirty a.m. You know what? I think I'm going to go for a jog. You know, around the lake. It's like, yeah, you're a different breed of lunatic. But again, my hats off to them because I ain't going to do it. Right. Hey.
0: Props to them. You're stronger than I am at that aspect, at least.
1: Yeah, it's like I accidentally woke up early this morning. I was like, I could go downstairs and go on the treadmill. I was like, fuck that. Let me go ahead and lay back down. <laughs> I'll be all right. I'll do it when I I'll walk when I get home. But yeah, it, it, it's I always think, you know, again though, in anything that you're doing, I mean, you know, more so grappling because that's just the world that we're in right now. But it's like, yeah, anything you do, you know, make it worth doing. You know, if you're out there grappling, you say to yourself, eh, like even as a hobbyist, you know, because I, I, I declare myself as a hobbyist, but I still want to be good. I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, I'm a grappler, but eh. like I'm not good at grappling. It's like each, after each class, you want to be able to say, you know, that you're better than you were when you walked in that morning or that afternoon yes. or that evening.
0: Hell yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, and that makes me think about something else. I feel like that might be why a lot of people drop out of jujitsu is because they it's it's not even that they're not improving, but to them, especially in the beginning, you know, from that white to blue man, it's like survival, like survive, you know, like even even through blue a lot of the times, you know, you go to open matter, you get in with a a heavyweight that's just, you know, got that pressure on you, or he's super strong with these jack guys that get that pressure on you. And it's survival. A lot of people don't make it through that. You know, they got a couple days of survival in them. And then maybe like three days of survival in a row. And that fourth day, they're like, man, I'm tired of surviving. Like, I'm good on oh. that.
1: Well, it's like those guys that, you know, you know, you'll get your trial guy that comes in and, they're, they've never grappled before or something, and then you get mountains, and they tap because, you know, they're not even sure what's going on. They're, right. You know, you know, they're claustrophobic. You know, you get some guys that they'll tap from and they'll learn, okay, wait a minute, that wasn't too scary. I just didn't know. And then you get those guys that they'll get there and they'll, you know, they'll freak out, they'll tap and they'll get there again, and they're like, I don't like that. And then it turns into like, eh, you know what? I'm gonna finish this trial out for the week, but you know, like, I'm not signing up. You know, right. jujitsu's hard. You know, we, you know, you've been doing it for five years. I've been doing it. Where, where am I at now? Somewhere like seven or eight. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like we understand that it's hard, but to some degree, it's easier for us at least like the you know the the basics you know coming in whereas you know you get your again your child class guy come in on some basics and they're like oh you know that's that's complicated that's hard to do or right. you know uh, i don't get it but it, you know from the outside looking in it is hard you know
0: but definitely uh, you know there are days i wanted to quit for sure even after tournaments probably. sometimes dude i've been in tournaments where it's like Yeah, I'm a smaller guy, so there's, like, nobody in my bracket and and then the bracket above, and so I got to go up, like, two weight classes. Even whenever I'm in brackets with the same weight class, and I just go in and get mopped. Or you go in and go against, like, some 16-year-old prodigy, and they just beat you in, like, two minutes. You're like, what? Like, yeah, maybe this is not for me. (laughs)
1: Man, the game is changing, though. It's so weird because you got these kids coming in. I remember when I used to, to um coach in my kids' class and looking at what those kids are learning now as kids, it, it's like, man, when I first started, you know, you know, I'm learning, you know, some things like, oh, you know, we're learning what a camora is, we're learning what, you know, we're learning how to secure mountain things. And that's not to say the kids aren't learning that. They're learning that along with like, all right, you know, now here's a barambolo. You know, like, go ahead and do this. And, you know, here's a crab ride. And now you're going to get the back. And it's like, right. you know, these kids are moving in ways that, you know, we couldn't even begin to imagine years ago. Whereas now it's almost kind of like, that's just part of the game. now For them, they walk in the door. It's like, all right, here you go. Like, we're going to go right into X-Guard. It's like, oh, so we just want to teach them that right after the gate, <laughs> Right,
0: right from the we, jump.
1: When I started, I was still trying to figure out what clothes guard was, and it's like, oh, that's pretty simple, isn't? Because it Cause they didn't seem it, but these kids now—they're—they're they're jumping right into the crazy guards.
0: And you know that makes me think, or at least wonder, if it's—you know—you get that talk about well, is it a martial art or is it a sport? And is that because think about it, to me personally. I would not use a lot of those moves on the street if I was trying to, you know, quote-unquote martial arts self-defense. I wouldn't use any pulling guard or, you know, anything where they could strike me where I'm in a bad position. And as far as, like, doing, like, brombolos or inverting, all that advanced stuff that's really effective in mm-hmm. sport, you know, do you feel like that's going to, I don't know, you know, do you feel like it's going to, change the game in a negative way
1: um the thing about that too though I'd like to think that like I was saying with like you know boxers versus a grappler or really any fighter versus any other fighter but it's for like you know a smart fighter has an upper hand so I feel like if you have jiu-jitsu in your pocket and you know you go out there and you're winning IBJJF tournaments and ABCC tournaments you know so you're doing sport jiu-jitsu I'd, I'd still like to think that your sport jiu-jitsu gives you the uh, body awareness to win a street fight with with body control of the other person. But I don't, you know, you know, you, you see these videos of, you know, your black belts, even blue belts, you know, in an altercation they're, you know, they're going just basically for that, just control. But then I see right. videos of white belts going out there trying to like take a dude down in the street and miss him and then get him walked, And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm embarrassed at that point. It's like, damn.
0: Don't say you do jujitsu. Don't say you train. We <laughs> <You> don't know <laughs> that guy.
1: Like, that's Aikido. That's what you know Aikido. Not he jiu-jitsu. was a trial class. He only
0: took the trial class.
1: It, but. But you get that though, you get those trial class dudes that go, Oh, I know jiu And I was like, No, you don't, you only fix the trial right. and you didn't come back.
0: Man, um, that's the beauty of yeah. it though, because the mats never lie, man. It's hard, it's hard to, you know, yeah. you can say all you want, but you get on the mat and then that the truth will come out for sure,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, there, you know, like the, the fake black belts who, you know, it's like, Yeah, I'm a black belt, and you get out there on the mat, it's like. Mm-hmm.
0: Dude, that reminds me of a very funny story. And I think that, yeah, this happened like last year. We had a black belt come into our uh, academy and he didn't tell anybody, but his black belt, I believe it was, I want to say it was judo, but I don't think it was judo because his takedowns were just not threatening whatsoever, like not even a little bit. So anyway, he comes in and he's like, even like got his chest out and like shoulders back and my uh my coach was there who's a black belt really good black belt ty gay and didn't tell him anything you know and so we're thinking and i'm thinking everyone else is like watching like man we want to watch this role because it was at open mat and we're like man thinking we're about to see a really good role between two black belts and our coach just starts thrashing this guy and i'm like dude Like, just wondering, you know, it didn't take long to figure it out, though. Like, this guy is definitely not a black belt. And I don't know what in his mind he thought he was going to come in here and, like, gain magic powers because he was wearing the black belt or – and then, you know, right before he leaves, man, I want to say it was like keto, I really do, but I don't really – I don't think that was it. It just – it was just some martial art where, you know, it was just like, not close to grappling would not hold up in grappling setting any other grappling setting, and I'm just like, I just don't understand what possessed you to do that, man. What made you think like that was going to work out for you?
1: Yeah, that, that's one of those weird things, too, because that's kind of a another one of those old school things where you know you'll see, you know, like a YouTube video of you know, an Aikido blue, blue belt or not blue belt, uh, black belt or you know, a Taekwondo black belt, you know, come in and say, oh, you know, I, you know I'll know, i be able to hang. There's, like, this one guy recently, it might be an old story, but I saw it recently, where a guy, he promoted himself to black belt. Um, and it's like, okay. Like,
0: I think did, I like, saw, didn't he do it in front of his own students and was like, I'll never let someone else put their, yeah, he's, like, ranting about how he was letting another grown man yeah. judge him, or something like that.
1: Yeah, it, it's like, look, man, like you said, the mats don't lie. If if you're genuinely the black belt, purple belt, blue belt, brown belt, any of those belts, I mean, you get on a mat, it's going to be known. Um, there's the the video of Ashton Kutcher, uh, Ashton Kutcher, rolling with Craig Jones a few years back. I think Ashton's supposed to be a brown belt. And looking at the video, it it, it just looked really unsettling. And you know, the you know, the people started questioning, like, well, is he really a brown belt? Like, you know, who promoted you, you know, things like that. You know, just right. it, it it's always just it it's cringy, you know, when when you see someone at a certain belt level and they're rolling, it's like, you know, if, especially if it's a higher belt, it's like, ooh, I, you know, I don't, are you sure? Like, so I think like, you know, even now the newest news, uh, Danny Lovato is a purple belt and there, there are a lot of people questioning. It's was like, Oh, she's still training. Like, well, you know, she's holding up the purple belt and it's like, People are like, well, look at her nails. You're not, you know, you're not training with nails like that. And I don't know. It could have just been, you know, a, a day she put on, you know, some fake nails and it's like getting dolled up for the day and, you know, stopped by and got promoted. I don't know. But you know, I like celebrity training. Um, I, I just, you know, hope that it's not one of those things though, where it's like, oh, what well, a celebrity, give them a belt. Like Tom Hardy, he's getting right. out there.
0: Doing tournaments and, then and winning eating. gold. And- yes, dude, exactly. I love to see that. You know, but I wonder I, if uh Keanu Reeves is any good. I, I've seen him training jujitsu, and I, I don't know if he just did it for John Wick or if he's like, you know, a hobbyist or at least a practitioner. You know what I mean?
1: I think he's been training for a
0: while, though, uh, Keanu Reeves.
1: Um, because like, I. I remember, like when, when The Matrix came out, I think that was kind of the talk that he just loves martial arts in general. Nice. Um, him and Robert Downey Jr. actually, I, I don't think he does jujitsu, but he he's uh he's into martial arts just as a whole. Um, Guy Ritchie is, is a black belt and he's competed in IBJJF tournaments. Um, Maynard from uh Tool, he's. Yeah, dude,
0: still a or listen Black to this, Brando. listen to this, listen to this, bro. This is crazy, right here. So, right now, Maynard is opening, he just had the grand opening yesterday of Verde Valley mm-hmm. Jiu Jitsu in Arizona. And my coach, Ty Gay, is there doing all the opening for him. And they're an affiliate school of Redline Jiu Jitsu here in Oklahoma, bro. Nice, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. oh, their whole curriculum. That's go. why he's there. He's there for three months. He's training all the lead instructors up, in the same curriculum that we learn, because that's how good it is.
1: Nice, nice. Love to hear it. And no, oh, trust me. Whenever you you tag uh, me in a video or send it to me, I see it. And I'm like, okay, all right, I like it. You know, go ahead and throw it up there. Um, but that's that's cool as shit, dude. Um, and as we're going to the celebrities, we bring up Maynard, and lo and behold coaches out there
0: dude yeah right now you could literally look him up on instagram ty gay just t y g a y and you'll see on his story you know he's right he's up there right now man it's pretty awesome like i'm hoping you know and i i don't know how public it would be because you know it's even right now when they did that grand opening they had to have like not Secret Service, but some pretty tight security because there's some freaking crazy fans Maynard has, dude. It's insane. Oh yeah. Like, I see why he's he's you know he's not in a big city, but he's in a you know a smaller little knit knit uh uh suburb. It's like an hour away from yeah. Sedona. I
1: mean that that's cool. Yeah. And so like, that, that dude, he's into all types of things. I mean, first of all, he's in a fucking rock band. I think he he right, like, had uh yeah. he makes wine he does jiu jitsu and I was open a jiu jitsu school and that yeah. like that's really really fucking cool dude um, it's awesome well, see now with that y'all got to go down there and like once everything's broken in and open you know head on down there get some training oh, yeah. down there without as a well. doubt
0: without a doubt man without a doubt
1: um but yeah it is it's, it's League, again, it's cool seeing celebrities get out there and train. Um, I think everyone from uh, the Justice League, um, except for Ben Affleck, they like, everyone else is doing jujitsu. And Affleck was like, "I'm going to smoke a cigarette, like I'm Batman." <laughs> I'm <Talk> good.
0: <laughs> I can't breathe.
1: <laughs> like, well, it's like in Batman vs Superman, like Superman and Wonder Woman are fighting doomsday Day, and Batman was like, "Yeah, I'm. I got this uh, grenade." You launcher. guys got it.
0: Y'all got that. <laughs> He him, yeah, yeah,
1: he shot the grenade with the uh the kryptonite in it and gave a thumbs up. He was like, My work here is done. I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette. Like, you bastard. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they all all do some sort of jujitsu except for Aplect. And maybe Ezra Miller, he seems like a lunatic. Uh he might need jiu-jitsu in his life, maybe, but I don't know. He 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 mean be kidnapping, stalking people. So maybe he don't need jujitsu. Right. But
0: like I know just the uh-huh. way to hold you down.
1: What? He's like, what the hell? Yeah, I learned it in jiu-jitsu. Like, just, like, a grappler
0: just pops up. No, you
1: didn't. See, like,
0: that's something I think they should do that, or they even might do. I think I was uh, watching uh, Mo, the guy who runs ADCC. I think his last name is Basim, maybe? But... um. He was talking about doing, you know, because I guess at the last ADCC, they had kind of like social media celebrity matches. And mm. he was talking about trying to get some, you know, bigger celebrities out there. And I'm like, man, it would be cool to see like, a, you know, any celebrities that train that really do train them go at it. Even if they had like a a four-man term- tournament, for celebrities that train jujitsu that are pretty good. Definitely Tom Hardy in there. Yeah. I got to get him in there.
1: Tom Hardy and uh and uh Mario Lopez get, get hey Bane that would be a, a good play. one. Uh, actually, I, I think well, yeah, I, they might both be purple belts now. I know Tom Hardy was a blue belt uh, back over the summer, just right. running through people, and uh, uh, Mario Lopez, I think he got promoted to purple. Yeah, but,
0: no, he did. I think he did. I think he did as well. He who does he train under? Is it Gordon Ryan? Or is it Kenzo? Yeah,
1: I don't know actually. Like I look it up, but I'm I'm scared to crash the internet on my phone. So, um, but man, now I'm like really curious about that. Cause like I see it in passing, but I never like stop. I'm just like, oh cool, look at that AC Slater. I knew all that wrestling at Bayside High were coming, Andy. Like, like when Slater and Zach got into a fight on the show, it's like oh snap. Exactly. I, but I think uh, I think uh, he he trains too because yeah, there was a picture of both of them as blue belts. That's and wild. Like, yeah, do a, a rematch? My money's still on Slater.
0: So let me ask you something that's kind of been the question in the air. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel, or how do you, or I guess just what is your stance on? let's say you have somebody younger training jiu and somebody much older, like, mm, let's say 50 years or older, or even 60 years. We'll go 60 years and older. Because at okay. my academy, I believe we have one guy that's, like, 75. And, dude, he's more consistent than most people. It's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as, like, leveling them up, you know, that's, you know, as far like, with belts, like, how would you go about handling something like that? Because a 75-year-old white belt is definitely different than a 21-year-old white belt.
1: Well, absolutely. Um it's something my coach and I talked about uh, a couple months back, just kind of in passing, you know, after class. And he had brought up kind of a point about, at our gym, we have, you know, different level grapplers. We have competitors, we have hobbyists, we have people you who know, are just kind of like on the fence in between. Um, and, you know, one of the things that he was saying is you take a look at the grappler and, you know, he used the example of, you know, an older grappler that, you know, might have neck problems. That person's obviously not going to be inverted anytime soon, but, you know, could they explain Do they understand what it is? You know, you know, that that factors into, you know, leveling them up and and their knowledge of the game. I mean, yeah, you're going to have, you know, your young guns coming in there, you know, full of piss and vinegar and and able to just, you know, train six days, seven days a week without fail, uh, not taking a round off. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to progress faster, obviously. We'll have more mat time. But then you got your 75-year-old who's there consistently, you know, but he, you know, might have to go at a slower pace. But, you know, you still see them picking up the techniques and and understanding, you know, what to do and in general and working hard. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you put in the work, you're going to get the results. And You know, if you got a 75-year-old grappler out there coming in consistently and putting in the work and it's showing, I mean, he may not be able to, you know, square up with, you know, a 21-year-old white belt, you know, if they're both white belts. You know, he might have some physical disadvantages, but you'd also imagine that someone with that much, um, you know, life experience... Would have a better understanding of just different leverages and body positioning and just wisdom in general. Like we always joke about like old man strength. No man strength is not just physical. Uh, that's also a mental thing too. Right. You know, like when to use it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, you got your young kids that they're like, gun, 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 gun. Dude, go. like and All the time. Like, yeah. Oh Yeah. I mean and and I was that dude. I was that dude at 30, 37 when I was it thirty-seven? Yeah, I think I started at thirty-seven, something like that. I don't know. But like I was that I was that dude because I was still I was like, you know, coming off of basketball and football, you know, I worked out all the time. You know, I came in, you know, jacked and just made a fucking rip heads off. <laughs> and you know, I'm just gunning and going and going and going and then one day it clicked. my hands like, yo, you are you you you're gonna burn out. You can't keep, you know, gunning at people like this. Um, And, you know, you got your 75-year-old grapplers. Actually, that that is kind of a point there too because I rolled with uh, the chief of police and he's an older gentleman and he would let me fly at him with all of the strength, all of the speed, all the athleticism. Then he (laughs) wrist-locked me. That's that's why he wrist-locked so much because that dude, and it wasn't just like, you know, It was like, I would say, like, in a five-minute roll, he hit me with, like, a wrist lock a minute. It's almost like he was playing with a spoon. He was like, look, (laughs) this dude is fast, he's strong, he's athletic, but he's a dummy, (laughs) and he's got punk wrists. He's punk-ass wrists. I got him locked. So, (laughs) um, But, yeah, when when you look at, you know, that older grappler, though, you, you definitely factor in, you know, what you know, what they've absorbed and are they able to at least you know, have an understanding of what it is you know, because again, they may not be able to you know, invert but do they have an understanding of it? And even if they can't, you know, fully do a Grammy can they manipulate the move in a way to get where they need to
0: be? Right. I definitely feel that, man.
1: Like for you um, you know, when you when you're grappling with anyone, um, whether it be, you know, one of the younger cats or older cats, you know, on the mat, um, is there like a – I guess I should should kind of, I guess, steer this question as well when it comes to belt rank as well, because uh, with you being at purple, you know, if you're going up, let's say against a newer blue belt, is there you know, a touch of ego there, where it's like, I'm not going to let this new belt tap you. You know, it's like, you might be working, but it's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to let you work, but I'm not going to let you work enough to, to get that tap. Or you the type of team, it's like, look, you know, you earned it, you got it. You know, I'm not going to let you choke me out in class, like unconscious.
0: Right. Man, realistically, I'm, um, I go, I match your energy, right? And If I know you, like, for instance, let's say I go to an open mat and you're a blue belt, I'm going to be passive defensive. So I'm going to let you work, but I'm not going to compromise. Like, I'm not going to let you hold me inside control. You might pass for a second and then I'll recover or create a wedge or, you know, just put a stop to your pass. For a certain amount of time, right? Because I'll constantly look at the clock. I'll give you two minutes of that. And then at the third minute mark, for that whole third minute, I'll usually turn it up for the whole third minute. No matter who I'm rolling with or what level they are, I will try hard as I can. Not hard, but, you know, just at a a higher level, I would say 75% for a minute. I look at the clock. You know, sometimes it might be over a minute, but it's never full on the whole round. Based off of that, depending on the, you know, the actions or the response I got from whoever I'm rolling with, because like if it's a white belt, sometimes it's overwhelming and they're like, whoa, and then you feel them shell up and you're like, all right, you know, let me dial it down and let them work a little bit or just work on their escapes a little. Then I'll let them get back to guard or whatever guard they're comfortable with. Now, if it was like a a blue belt, you know, if they're defending well, then I might still attack, but just attack with less aggressive aggression. You know, where, um, for instance, if I'm going for an armbar, if I'm doing it with seventy-five percent aggression, there's going to be no pauses in my transition. I'm just going to hit it right to the armbar. But if I'm dialing it down, there may be a pause here where, hey, you, I know you feel this coming. You got, you got time to try something, right? And then I'll work progressions Mm -hmm. from there. Now, I can't lie. If it's a higher belt, I am not passive aggressive or passive defensive. I'm just straight defensive. I'm not really trying to give you much. Just because in my experience with especially higher belts that I don't know, like open mats, because I do a lot of open mats because earlier when I said I'm a competitor, you got to pay for a lot of tournaments. And I don't like doing that. Like I'll do super fights all day if they're, you know, hitting me up, hey, man, will you come do the fight to win or whatever it may be? Yeah, you know, because you're not going to ask me to pay you money. And then if I do well and then tickets do well, you'll pay me. Cool, we can do that. But as far as, like, tournaments right now, at least this year, I'm taking a step back from that. For that reason, I've done a lot more open mats to keep my competitive spirit alive, I guess you would say, so when I'm with higher belts, man, that don't know me, especially when you have the purple belt or any color belt, it's like a target on your back, kind of. So yeah. I go into those a lot more defensive, but I also go into them playfully. Like, I'll smile. I'm making sure I'm smiling at whoever I'm grappling with to give them the idea of, like, I'm not here to kill you. I'm not here to prove something to myself because you're a brown or a black belt, and I'm trying to, you know, oh, I tapped a freaking brown belt today. Like, no, dude. Like... Work your game a little, and then depending on how their reaction or response is, I'm going to try to impose or work my game on them because you know how it can be. Like you said, there's levels. You get with a really yeah. great brown belt, and pff, don't even get me started on the black belts. And that's another thing, though. I've still ran into black belts where it's like, man, I don't know. Like, you sure? And that's... I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. But I have ran into it where it's like, I don't know. I don't know how this guy got his black belt. And he's definitely, it's in jiu for sure. And I just, you know, I'm not feeling it. And at sometimes I'm like, well, maybe they were taking it easy on me. But then mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know. You know, that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to talk down on anybody or talk crap about anybody. But I just feel like I feel like there might be a problem in the community where people are just getting belted because of time.
1: No, I I get you. Well, There was a gym that I initially did a trial at. A friend of mine was training there, and I didn't end up choosing that gym. I just didn't really like the atmosphere. It it didn't feel like it was right for me. But My buddy had told me about it later on. He was like, basically, yeah, if you're there for two years, you know, just off attendance alone, you're going to get know bumped up to blue belt and that's bluebell, I don't know you know what it would be you know going as a purple brown you know black belt. but you know someone recently asked me you know about that, you know, you know, where my phones on you know promotions based off of attendance and it's like I mean, you know, I honestly don't have a whole lot of say so because I'm you know not a black belt. I don't have any power to promote anybody. but, if, if I'm at a gym that's just kind of panning them out that way, I don't know that I would feel completely comfortable unless, you know, you're showing up all the time and you are putting in the work you're in, and you show that you can, you know, put the work back out and, and show that you learn, you know, you're retaining what you Then Yeah, I mean, obviously you earned it. But if it's just like, okay, they show up to class, but then they're taking rounds off, um, you know, they're showing up late, you know, they're goofing off. But you still bump them up. It's like, you know, are they really there learning jiu-jitsu though at that point?
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I know I got kind of off the topic, man, of how I take my roles. But that's how I take them, dude. You know, (laughs) I really just, I just match energies, man. I really just match energies. Like, even with people at my academy, they know I match energy. So, like, sometimes they might come into the role. Realistically, with all the higher belts at my academy, the roles start out kind of flowy. And then, you know, by minute yeah. two or three of a five or six minute round, it's it's pretty high level.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that filling out phase. And then you're like, okay. You know, like when you're like, hey, you know, let's go into a flow. And then, you know, you start getting that feel. It's like, all right, we're going from 40%. All right, let's go up to 60. All right, cool. 60 yeah. All right, let's move to 75, and then 75 turns into 90. The next thing you know, somebody's snoring.
0: No, <laughs> Dude, literally. And see, sometimes that's a – I guess I need to think about it more because we have a lot of uh, – wrestling is really big in this state, in Oklahoma. And so a lot of, we get a lot of wrestlers, and there's a younger cat that goes to our, my academy – and like I said, I like, to, I let people work. And I made the mistake of letting him have my back, which he's done it before, but he sunk in a pretty good rear naked choke on me. And I'm telling you, I almost was put to. He's a white belt too, but he still has, you know, his whole life of experience from wrestling. So and yeah. he's on his way up. But even without that said, I just let myself get caught too deep into a, in inner strangle. And I'm telling you, he. You know, the wrestlers that have that, like, 0 to 100, you know, if he once they get the lock, they're boom. And so as soon as he oh, got man. the full lockup, man, it was just full squeeze. And I had about three seconds, and I was about to pass out. I was like, what? And he was like, dude, I swear I almost choked you out. And I was like, you did, man. You freaking literally almost did. Shout out, Cohen. <laughs> Be happy to hear that later. Um.
1: But- yeah, they're are those those guys that are just you know mainly wrestlers, but just you know you just have some guys that are just they're built for grappling. I have one teammate, he he's a really nice guy. He's built like a fucking Viking, though. When I roll with him, it's just yeah, I, you know I pride myself on being able to survive. You know I can you know I can manage, I can get through, and this dude just it, it, like. He makes me question myself. It's like, man, if I were in a real life and death situation, well, if it's with this dude especially, I'm probably going to die. I got I to gotta figure my life out now. I got to get better. <laughs> like, like, he forces me to get better. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, but that's, that's what your teammates should be there for, though. Your teammates should be there to make you better and you to make them better as well. So, you know, it's, it's a family thing.
0: Exactly, man. And we stress that at the academy I train at. And I feel like a lot of places really don't stress that if I'm not if you're not getting better, then I'm not getting better. They don't I don't I feel like mm-hmm. it's and sometimes depending on the environment, that's needed. Like if you want to be the best, you really have to be a little selfish. You know, you don't wanna yeah you're not trying to train with the guy who's number five. If you're number two and you're trying to be number one, you're going to be probably if if it was me, I'd be trying to train with the guy who's number one straight up. So with that being said at my Academy, we really, I would say, guess, I'm not going to guess. We pride ourselves in giving both avenues. We're like, yeah, if you want to be competitive, we can do that. But at the same time, We're not just going to come in and destroy our partners and, you know, make sure every round I'm winning every minute of every round. Like, yeah, you might think you're getting better, but in reality, how are you going to respond in a match whenever you end up in a position where you're not on top or you're not um, in the position of dominance and you're underneath somebody and you're you're uncomfortable and you've never been there because you focus all your time and training dominating and now here it is you're dominated and you don't know how to respond. So like were you getting better at jiu-jitsu yeah. or were you just mauling people and like you know putting yourself on the pedestal whole time you didn't even know how to escape an arm bar. Whole time you didn't know how to get uh escape the back mount. You know, just simple positions like that.
1: Well I mean that that's like the ideal of you know the NFL draft. You know, you get those those Players who, they hadn't lost a game in high school. They go to college. They never lose a game in college. So chances are they're going to be the number one overall pick. And if you're the number one overall pick, you're probably going to a team who probably didn't win a game the year before. Right. And and now, you know, you obviously can't come in there with the expectation that you're going to go undefeated when you just joined a team that – you know, you know, earned the number one overall pick because they suck. You know, you do have those players that crumble under that pressure. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. They've never been up against adversity like that. So, you know, and, and, you know, then there are players that show up and they're like, okay, you know, this is just another challenge. And they turn their teams around. So Joe
0: Burrow.
1: Yep, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Um, i Mahomes. mean gonna you that, um, um, yeah, Mahomes for sure,
0: dude. Because um, when you came into that, Kansas City, they were tr- like the trashiest team the league, running years in a row. Maybe well, Browns was the only team worse than them.
1: Well, the Kansas City had some weird years because there, there was a point right before Mahomes, not exactly right before Mahomes got there, but you know, kind of in those uh, late you know, 2000s into the early teens of the 2000s, they would start off well enough, but they never finished good. You know, it, it was always weird because it's like, there was always that one missing piece. And you can obviously tell it's the quarterback because I would Smith that quarterback. And it's like, mm, you know, yeah, you were a number one over, overall pick. Sure. We get that. But I mean, not just because you're number one overall doesn't exactly mean that you are the best choice. I mean,
0: right? To Marcus I mean, it's been a wash so many times. The number yeah. one overall pick,
1: yeah. I mean, it, 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 and that's that's what I'm saying. Like when Detroit, because I'm a Lions fan, um, when they had the oh, number I'm so
0: sorry. I used to be a Lions fan though. I swear, I, I could even, I'll after this, I'm gonna send you a picture of it. I still have my Detroit Lions hoodie because I just stopped being a when. Matt Stafford won that Super Bowl with the Rams. I was mm-hmm. mad. I was mad. I'm like, bro, come on, Lions. First year gone, man. Come on, come on, Detroit. Come on, look what y'all had. Look what we got. Look what we had.
1: But that's Hurt the thing me, though, he he went to a team that had had the cake baked. He was the icing that they needed. And True. and you know, not I kind of went to that made the point though because at Thanksgiving. And I have this argument every Thanksgiving with my brother in law, because he goes, he goes like, Jake, Stafford's your boy. And it's like, okay. I don't have anyone that I'm attached to in the league. I, I'm I'm a realist. So it's like if the Lions are losing on Thanksgiving, which they always do, I'm not looking at just the quarterback. Right. I'm looking at like, well, the quarterback didn't, you know, the quarterback didn't miss that tackle. The quarterback didn't drop that pass you know, the quarterback didn't, you know, fumble running up the middle. You know, yes, the quarterback's the leader of that team, but the quarterback isn't the only one on that team. That's why I don't like the narrative whenever we talk about, like, quarterbacks being great in their win-loss record, because we don't talk about offensive linemen's win-loss record. We don't talk about, you know, Deion Sanders, you know, we don't talk about his win-loss record. He was a cornerback, you know? It's like, we don't talk about that. You know, we don't talk about um, you know, but you know, we end up talking about Dan Marino. You know, one of the greatest to ever play, ever won a Super Bowl. It's like, okay, there was a bunch of dudes on that team that didn't win a Super Bowl. You know, Barry Sanders never won a Super Bowl. There are a bunch of guys on that team that never won a Super Bowl. But you know, and I guess Barry's kind of a bad example because he's a running back. But Detroit, <laughs> you know, I always got to do it. But you know, when Stafford left, you know, there's bittersweet moment for me because it's like here's a good dude to Detroit to the city of Detroit. For sure. And, you know, it was like, look, you know, I'm happy to see this dude win. But that just goes to show that we did not build around this dude. We didn't, like, there are pieces in place, but there weren't consistent pieces in place. You know, he had never tried. Exactly. You know, he had one of the greatest receivers in the history, but then they couldn't put a run game together for him. They couldn't put a whole line together to support that run game. You know, then they started getting the defense when they got in Dominican Sue. And it's like, oh, man. Like, all right, here we go. We're moving. You know, they had Jim Coldwater coach. Yeah. And yes. then they fired him
0: and brought in Matt That's Patricia. That's where they messed so, up, really, man. That's where they messed up. Oh, yeah. Getting rid of I mean, the coach like that. Man.
1: They had the momentum. You know, he was nine and seven. They fired him. They bring in Matt Patricia. And it's like, oh, no, we suck again. You I know?
0: know. Horrible. And I, I had. I was mad when they fired him, but I still had a little bit of hope with Patricia because he came from the Patriots. So I was like, "All right, yeah, maybe they'll make something happen." Yeah,
1: that that they they started picking up, you know, former Patriots. We have free agency. I was like, "All right, so they're trying to be New England of the Midwest." All right, let's see what they do, and they did nothing with it. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I with with Coach Campbell there, I get excited because. He's the kind of coach that he lets those players know that he believes in them. He loves them. He wants them to be the best that they can be. And, you know, I used to always have this saying about football. There are three teams specifically that we could talk about with great coaches over a long period of time in the modern era. That's England with Belichick, Baltimore with um, uh, Harbaugh, and Pittsburgh with um, Tomlin. And these three teams, when they go out there to play, and Andy Reid, I always forget about Andy Reid, but, you know, with one team, you got these three coaches with, you know, just, they've been with these teams. And when they go out, there's no, hey, guys, let's go out there and do our best. These teams go out there and there's an expectation to win. And with Detroit, there was always that attitude. It seemed like, I don't know, I'm not in the locker room, but you always got this feeling when they lose. It was just like, man, I hope we win or I hope we get better next week. It's like, no, you don't fucking hope you get better. You fucking go out there and get better. You do better. Don't hope to do it. Just about and fucking do it, dude. And when they oh, brought yeah. in uh, C- Coach Campbell, you got a lot of that attitude with those players. You saw those players hunting you saw them grind it, but they're also having fun. Like when, when you see Jamal Williams, you know, This dude got cut by Green Bay. And, you know, it was like, oh, he's washed up. He's not, he's not worth keeping on the team. Meanwhile, he goes to Detroit and breaks, you know, the the Russian touchdown record, you know, that Barry Sanders used to hold in Detroit. You know, I think he had 17 touchdowns this year, or something like that. You know, and it's like, oh, maybe he's not washed up. You know, he came in, you know, behind DeAndre Swift, who's you know, a young, a young stud, a starter. It's like, oh, this dude from Georgia, you know, this is the, this is the run game that we're building behind. And Jamal Williams comes in and Dan Campbell didn't make it a competition. He made it known like, look, we were winning this together. We love you all. And Jamal Williams, I think he needed that because up there in Green Bay, it's not that Green Bay, you know, didn't have a good staff. I think they just had a staff that was kind of like, look, we are trimming the fat. And you're part of that. We got to let you go. Mm. And you know, he comes to Detroit, and he felt welcome. You know, they they brought him in. And was like, look, man, you part of the team. DeAndre's here, but you part of this team. And that that's what I love about Coach Campbell and what he's bringing to Detroit. I mean, that that run at the end of the year that they had, not even at the end. Yeah, of the dude, year, that was
0: surprising. The honestly, they turned it around.
1: And, and I think that was the thing. They they lost those close games. Yo, they lost. 48 to 45. They put up 45 points and lost. It was like, how are you putting up 45 points and losing a game, son? They put up 45, and I think that's when it kind of clicked. It was like, yo, we are losing games that we shouldn't be losing. They only had three games this year that they legitimately lost, and they were not in it. They got shut out by New England from the 6-0. They got the asses beat by Dallas, and then Carolina beat them towards the end. Those three games, they lost by more than a touchdown. Every other game was within four points. So, you know, and I think they kind of they took that and they looked, they're like, look, we are close. We're missing something. Oh, we're not finishing these games out. We're not closing out, or we're not starting fast enough. So what Coach Campbell's bringing to that team, I'm all for it. I'm in. I love it. You know, do I think they're gonna win the Super Bowl next year? Eh, probably not. But you do I think they're winning? I think so. I, I think it's next year is going to be a weird time for the NFC North because I think Chicago, despite having a number one overall pick, I think that is a good team. And I said both those games that Detroit beat them in, I was like, I felt like Chicago was like, you know, the team that could, could beat the Lions. And I think Detroit beat them 31 to 30 in the first game. And then the second game, they blew them out. But I think when you look at that division, Green Bay, who knows what's going to happen with them, depending on quarterback. But even right. if Rogers, stays, I mean, he was there this year. Um, Minnesota, I think Minnesota, they're similar to Detroit in that they play these close games. They're the opposite of Detroit, I should say they were winning these close games that they probably shouldn't have been winning losing these close games that they shouldn't have been losing. And I feel like it could flip flop next year where Detroit ends up winning those games that they should have been winning. And Minnesota was probably going to lose games that they should have been losing because that's what happened the year before with them anyway. And then I don't know. Uh, I think they'll have a winning record. I don't know that they'll win their division, but I think they'll be impressive next year. You know, they finished nine or eight this year. I, I, I think it's fair to say they could win ten, maybe eleven next year, realistically, if they keep that momentum going. But also understanding too, they do have a second place schedule that's gonna be playing. So they're gonna be playing those teams that finish in second place in all the divisions in, in NFC. So those are some tough wow. teams. They're gonna be playing Dallas oh, again. Yeah. They're gonna be playing um, um uh who, who wanted it? Uh Seattle again. They're gonna be playing it, NFC East it doesn't matter I, I don't know who was the second oh, that was Dallas uh, the South I mean I, I think it might have been Carolina so they'll get Carolina again so it's going to be one of those years where it's like you know three of those teams they played this year two of them beat their ass one of them scored 48 on them so it's like okay here's your chance to show you know, y- you know you're not the punk on the playground like, right you wanna go on, you want your turn on the sliding board, you're gonna take your turn on the sliding board. You ain't gonna yeah. let them push you back up off the steps. Um, but yeah, I am excited for next year with the Lions. I mean, I you know, that's just my heart right there. I'm from Detroit. So um and, and Detroit's come down here to Baltimore next year to play the Ravens. So I'm gonna be there in attendance for sure because nice. I got you. Win or lose. I think last time they came down here, I went to the game. It was a rain, it was like heavy rains. And Detroit lost, I think, forty-eight to zero. Um, yeah. it, wasn't a, it wasn't the last time, but it, this was like Ray Rice. It was Ray Rice's rookie year. I remember okay. it was cold and it was raining, and I remember like laughing because I was like, "Well, at least they can't see these tears because there's so much mm-hmm. rain." It was like, and, and my uncle was at the game on another level somewhere. I couldn't find him because I think he tried to call me, and but it was like, "I, I don't, I don't want to share this pain together." I would to be here in Baltimore's M&T Stadium crying while the Lions are losing with my uncle. No. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, so, all the listeners listening to all that, yeah, y'all know it. I I, I, I stepped away from football a little bit, but I'm excited to get the Lions. And y'all know I'm from Detroit, even though I live in Maryland. So, what's up, man? Um, Damn, all right, we way off track. Um, no
0: worries, man. This is a good conversation, dude. I'm su- yeah. surprised you're, I didn't even know you're from Detroit. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, like, every so often, like, I I might, I, I don't post it too, too much. Um, Like, once in a while, because I, I have a bunch of Instagram accounts. And I have multiple podcasts. And on one or the other podcasts, I'm very vocal about being a Detroit fan. I post a lot of Detroit stuff to to that to that Instagram account and everything, even though it's a shared account. But um, like on my birthday in, in a couple of weeks, the Red Wings are coming down to play the Washington Capitals, so we're gonna go on uh, that that Tuesday night and watch the Capitals lose to the Red Wings because <laughs> you know Detroit. Um, you know, it, it's just like it, it's 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 in my heart. I haven't like I've been here in Maryland for thirty years. So, you would think like, oh, you know, he's warmed up to to you know the right, Orioles Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> yeah, nah, son, nah. I like honestly, I like the Ravens. I don't like the Ravens fans. They're annoying. Like they yeah. they are they, they, some punks. Um, but I love the Orioles fans though, and they're the same exact people. You go to an Orioles game, they're so sweet, they're so cool. But I think it's because the Orioles suck, so they're just super chill about it. Like yeah, we right, suck. Super about humble. You
0: know, <laughs>
1: yeah. But the Ravens is like, what? The ref stole the game from us. It's like, <laughs> like <"S- laughs> shut up! <laughs> like y'all we never game. lose.
0: We never lose.
1: Twenty-eight for three. You're like, they ain't no ref that's gonna save you, son. But chill. <laughs> um, and you know, and then all the Washington teams. You know, I, I don't even like, you know, their football team, whatever we want to call it now. I mean, I cheer for them because my my co-host from my other podcast. He's a fan, so we we cheer together for each other's teams. Right. Um, and then then Detroit played them earlier in the year. So I went over to his house, watched Detroit beat they ass. Then we recorded a podcast right after. Um, because <laughs> you, you gotta get it in while it's fresh. Right. But how did
0: you feel you about know, that L?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it got close for a second. I was like, oh no, no, no. Like I can't have Detroit losing that home and then I gotta sit in this man's living room. And then I got to record. When, uh, if Detroit would have lost that game, to Washington, I would have legit packed up my shit and went home. And just <laughs> like, yeah, we'll record tomorrow.
0: Man, that's what I um, used to love about when Matt Stafford was on there. You know, those like, I mean, I guess really, any time in his career, you could if they were down by twenty-one, even at if 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 it wasn't. The you know, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, if they're down by 21, you could still have hope with Matt Stafford back there, man.
1: Oh, yeah, he was the king of the comeback,
0: bro. I'm like, so many times where you're just like, What you stop watching because you're like, Yeah, those motherfuckers, and then eventually I purposely just started coming back at the fourth quarter, like, Yeah, they'll be, I'm gonna wait, but they'll be back in the fourth, I'll cut it back on in the fourth, bro. Sometimes never you have to do that
1: with Detroit, you can't, watch, you can't watch the first three. You, you got to the
0: be court. a fan, man. That's hard. Yes. pops to you. cause I'd been a fan I mean, since like a kid, dude, like since I could remember, you know, and then just like, man, yeah, so okay. many years. It, it, it's it's that weird oh.
1: thing it, it, you know, and I always feel like when when you're a fan of a trash football team or sports team period, there's this thing about it though, when they finally win, you can say, you can legitimately say that, you know, I was there. like, I I only know one, one Cincinnati fan, One. And when the Bengals made the Super Bowl last year, I shouted him out because I was like, yo, this is to the only Bengals fan I know. Like, <laughs> I don't like, I don't like anything about the state of Ohio. Like, if it were up to me, I would wipe it off the map personally.
0: But so you hate Ohio I'm, State, huh? Oh, <laughs> I mean, let's,
1: let's not even start there. <laughs> like, you know, if I see Scarlet and Gray anywhere, you like, if you're a hitchhiker, you get on Scarlet and Gray, trust me, you don't have to keep hitchhiking, son. <laughs> you, you better hope the next car comes along soon because I am you. Like, right? I have no love for for Buckeyes, anything. Like, period. And, and now I will say this year when they played Michigan, I did think Ohio State was the better team. Michigan beat them. Now, I thought, okay, if they see each other in that playoff, oof. Yeah. I want to see the rematch. But I don't know, man. You know, yeah. That, I, I, uh, I think they're going to be trouble next year. Who, Ohio? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I don't like him either, though, man. I'm a big Michigan fan. I'm a Michigan fan over every other sport, honestly.
1: Well, I think you and I are about to become the bestest of friends.
0: I think so, man. I think so. That's what I was uh, trying to get to. Uh, my dad's from Detroit, and I still got oh, a lot man. of family that lives there, man.
1: Yeah, same same here. Um, but, no, that's 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 cool, and it's just funny, like, just, you know, the world, just think about, it, oh, it's a small world, because, like, here we are, you know, shooting messages on Instagram and reposting shit, and then do the podcast, and then suddenly like, oh, you're a Lions fan? Oh, you're a Michigan fan? Oh, wait, you got family in Detroit? Like. All right, heard. Sure. And the funny thing, neither of us is even close to the state. You're in, Right, you're in exactly. Oklahoma, like, America. what?
0: But that's the connection, man. Like, like you're saying, small world, crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I always say jiu-jitsu connects us all in some way.
0: Oh, without a doubt. That's another great thing about jiu-jitsu is the connections and the people you meet and like me and you right here, right, you know, crazy, yeah. man. Awesome though. I love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I always think to myself, it's like when I think about the connections that I've made just through jujitsu and social media, period. It's like there's so many people I want to see in California. There's I got friends in Sweden. I got friends in, in uh Spain, you know, I got friends in, in the UK. You know, it's like you know, friends down in, in Georgia, yeah. You know, it's like you know, like I look all around, it's like oh my god! Like I can go on a cross country trip and and run into someone to train with, and, and that that's you know that that jujitsu connection. You know, of all places, Arkansas. You know, and I got friends down there. It's like oh my god, Arkansas! And I just watched a movie the other day called Arkansas, and I looked, I was like oh my god, that place looks like somewhere people go to
0: die. But I still have <laughs> people
1: there, and I will over.
0: Yeah, I get told but, to stay out of Arkansas, know,
1: it, <laughs> it. It doesn't feel like the place that I, – I don't feel like it's the place that I want to be personally. But um, <clears throat> let's see here real quick before we get out of here. Do you have a jiu-jitsu bucket
0: list? Yes and no. Like I have never written anything down, but off the top of my head, yeah.
1: All right, give me three things off that bucket list, off top. If if you have three things,
0: yeah, yeah, I can. I got three things. Um, win ADCC trials, win ADCC, get my black belt.
1: Love it. That that says the straight line right there. Straight line of victory, and right. and straight lines to the black belt. I like it. Love to hear it. All right, Mo, this has been a great time, dude. Yeah, like, man. We definitely got to do this again. Um
0: Without a doubt, man, I enjoyed it. It was a good time.
1: For sure, for sure. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely uh, record again. Um, Hopefully my internet will actually be working, like, legitimately, and I could do, like, the real legit setup. But With um video. Yeah, yeah. Cool. At the very least, I can have like, you know, video up, ring lights, my microphone's going right now. I'm using my Bluetooth earpiece, and I don't even know what it's going to sound like on the other end. So we'll see. We'll see when I put this out. Um, before we get out of here, you got any shout outs or mentions you want to drop?
0: Man, of course, you already know. First, Redline Jiu Jitsu, Edmond, Oklahoma. If you're around the area, OKC Metro, come through. We're more than welcoming. Also, Ty Gay, my professor, coach, awesome dude, heart of freaking gold. If it wasn't for him, I would have never met you. I would have never met anybody I've ever met, anyone I've ever taught anything to. None of that would ever happen. Any connection I've ever had because he's got so many connections through him, whether it's working for people or helping people out doing stuff and then other connections. None of that would happen without him. Shout out to him for sure. That's it, man.
1: Um nice. and thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. Thank you, just in general. Um, if y'all got any questions, concerns, criticisms, always feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at bjj.wiki or you can find me off the podcasts podcast as well. Um, I got a bunch of other Instagram accounts, but the main ones are those two. Um, you know, if you're into horror movies, feel free to go check out Show You Like Horror, all the words separated by underscores. We have a podcast as well. we talk be talking about movies or movies by a decade. And Leprechaun, since March is coming up and that Leprechaun episode is going to drop on St. Patrick's Day. So be ready for that. Um, also, if you like beer, you like to hear guys talk about beer and review it, go so check them out on the show, Colompton Beer Club. Um, we're also on Instagram. Uh, we're not professionals, so don't come there thinking, oh, these guys, are you know, they know what they're talking. No, we don't. We just, you know, drink a little bit of beer. We give a score. We judge it and we talk about football. So um, if you're all into that kind of thing, cool. Shout out to uh, Steve over there as well, my Um, co-host. Also, last shout out, Nerd Razor Radio. Bobby, Joe, Chris, Marilyn, Phil, uh, Ricky Ticky, all you cats. Love you all. That's where I got my start with podcasting. And it's the first time I think I've done three straight podcast shout outs at the end. So um, go check those things out. And like I said, reach out to me um, with any questions, concerns, criticisms. Otherwise you guys keep listening to the show. I'm gonna keep making them. Thank you, everyone, and bye. They with it. Now let me sing song.